Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. The big, big guest on the program right now. We do. We're part we... of our Saturday session legends. Another segment. legend. Another legend to the Saturday session. Jewel International. Yep. World champion. World-class commentator. Indeed. On the board of New Zealand cricket? No, oh, done it all. What has Rebecca, Rebecca Rolls not done, is the question. Rebecca Rolls, welcome to the Saturday session. Have we pumped up your tyres suitably enough? Yeah, I don't know if I can stay after that, Dan. This is a pretty big intro. <laughs> it's great to have you on the show. It really is. Um, you must be the pig and proverbial watching this World Cup coming at you. You love all sport. I, I yeah. did see, though, you were at um, and Hamilton the other day in, in the highfalutin corporate lounge with the, with the bubbly brigade. You know, that's all part of your duty <laughs> on the board of New Zealand cricket, right? Well, you've got to watch from somewhere. And, yeah, really nice to be able to support uh, the LOC, Andrea Nelson and her team, and, and uh, very grateful for their invitation. But, to be honest, um, I would have sat anywhere and watched the games, because you're right, it's... Uh, it's one of those um, kind of times where you feel like a kid again and you just want to be seeing every delivery. Speaking of being a kid again, when did you first <laughs> strap on the pads or strap on the goalkeeping gloves? You know, take us right back to, to your earliest introduction into sport because it's been a massive part of your life. Oh, yeah, it totally has. Um, I was pretty young, to be fair. Uh, I would say as soon as I was able to play football and cricket, I was, I was into it. Um, <clears throat> Uh, football was actually a bit easier. Uh, you could start a bit younger, so you know that was the local club in Napier where I grew up, um, and yeah, just right into it. Really played with the boys, um, anything I could in the neighbourhood in the backyard, and then similar with cricket. Cricket, I sort of had to wait till I was at school, I think, to get a team. But um, no, I was right into. It. I used to. It's funny, eh? Cricket gear. Yeah, Grant will. Grant will. If he well, he'll agree. <laughs> if he's not, he's he's lying. But um, you know, with cricket gear, it always smells really good. <laughs> Your new gear smells really good. And I remember getting a pair of pads and I was like, well, I know I'm going to be either keeping or opening the batting, so I might just wear them to the game. Like, I'll wear them in the car. You know, that's how geeky I was as a kid. <laughs> but, yeah. That's so fantastic. I was, I, and I got a, got a few few strange looks. But right from, yeah, I would say five, six, seven years old, uh, we lived across the road from a big park in Napier, in Tamatia in Napier, and so Dad would mow cricket pitch at the start of every summer and then I'd make him come and bowl to me after dinner and then that would draw out people from all the houses, the other houses looking onto the park. So we, we got a good sort of team there by about 7.30 and then just played till it was dark. So it was good. And I had all the gear so I could decide who did what. And um, that was good <laughs> oh, it's so true, Rebecca. Take, about... I'm taking my gear home. None <laughs> of you can play. You're, I'm sure you were never like that, uh, Rebecca. You, you were nah. never like that. But w- when did you first start figuring out you were quite good? Um, I think because you play with boys, you know, as a young girl, um, I, I started to take a lot of notice of how many of them that I would rate myself ahead of <laughs> in both sports. And so, 
you know, you kind of think, well, I'm either the worst in the team or the best in the team. That's sort of your two end markers. Um, I think as I grew older and, and the boys got bigger and better and I, I sort of kept up with them, um, <clears throat> yeah, that was probably for me, I think, a bit of a sign that maybe this could be something that I, I am quite good at. And there weren't many other girls around. There's one sort of one or two for both sports. But, um, yeah, I, I guess, and then eventually started playing kind of club cricket at quite a young age and, and was, you know, fairly well advanced, I think, there ahead of a lot of the women that were older than me. So, so I think from a pretty early age, I... I was well. I was definitely hopeful that I was good at both sports, and and because I played with sports, just kind of extrapolated that and expected that I'd one day make the black caps and the and the um, all whites, and <laughs> that would continue. That that was obviously quite young. It didn't take me long to figure out that that probably wasn't going to happen. But you didn't see women's football or cricket anywhere then, and and my my sporting heroes were were kind of like Susan Devoy and Waitamanama, Tomanu, Sandra Edge, you know. Um, those sorts of the netballers and squash players and and so yeah it was as I kind of became more and more aware that I I was okay at it um yeah that that sort of fueled my my desire a bit. Hey Bex uh it's great having you on our show as one of the legends of sport for the Saturday sesh um thanks for coming on it when did you start specializing was it natural progression just from goalkeeper to wicketkeeper in the team? Yeah, it was because I, you know, it was one of those kids who wanted to do anything and everything, and I would do whatever I could to be involved. So I went to a Catholic school where we only had ten boys in the class, so there was always a position in, in the golf and then the football team because <laughs> um, no one else wanted to go there. Uh, and then equally keeping, um, yeah, it was I, I just really enjoyed both. To be honest, I think I've always had quite good reactions and and you know uh, enjoyed catching, um, but. It, it was, I think as a young kid, I just tried to do everything, you know, and, and some of the teams I played in that weren't very good with cricket, I'd have to bowl. Um, and, you know, so you, you did do everything. And then football, I played in, in, in school, our team was quite good, so I didn't want to go and goal because I got nothing to do. So I played out in the midfield. So, But I think with keeping and goalkeeping are always kind of my happy place. It, it's quite nice being the only person in the team who does something and, and each have like a set of skills that are really cool to learn and train. You know, like goalie training is the best fun in the world. Like even I challenge you guys to have a, have a good go at it, diving around and, you know, saving a few wildies and that kind of thing. It is, it is the most fun you can have. Uh, and, and in each sport, they're kind of a sport within a sport. So goalkeeping or keeping a very, very different skill sets and really crucial. And both, um, you know, if you screw up, that can be quite detrimental to the team. So it's mentally quite challenging as well. But it's, I think the way I sort of describe it is wicketkeeping is, is a lot about securing the ball and making sure you catch it and obviously then doing something with it if you need a run out or something, whereas goalkeeping is a lot more about repelling the ball and keeping it out. And yes, you catch it from time to time, but more and more now, especially with modern football, it, um, yeah, it's more just trying to keep it away. But it's, yeah, I, I think it, I, I tried to do as much as I could in each sport for as long as I could to keep my options open. So, Rebecca, I mean, the interesting thing is you look at, uh, like, Sophie Devine and Amelia Kerr, who played in the boys' first eleven as well, and you mentioned that you played in, in the boys' team. Do you think that that's something that we need to see more of to try and help the progression of a lot of uh, talented women coming through? Yeah, it's a really good question, actually. I think if, if you're playing week in, week out against opposition and, and within teams that challenge you, then you can only get better. That is absolutely, I think, a basic sport principle. How that's managed and delivered is, is quite different. I mean, I think my experiences, and bearing in mind I'm a lot, lot younger than Amelia Kerr, a little bit younger than, uh, sorry, older, jeez, 
and a little bit older than Sonia. <laughs> my experiences were... <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, my experiences weren't great, you know, playing with boys. They were, they were pretty exclusive and, and their dads were pretty horrible and it wasn't as accepting an environment as I would imagine it is now. So right. for me, that was probably one of the biggest things that I struggled with, but it also created a lot of resilience for me. But now I, I'd like to think, and I'm sure we are, way more past that. And, uh, you know, I think there's definitely a place for teams where you just pick them on ability, regardless of, of gender or, or anything else, um, and mix in for as long as you can. I mean, good good girls who are playing cricket or promising girls, they need to be challenged just like boys do. And the longer or the, the more you can do that, you know, I think that you'll get um, a better development pathway. Ideally, you know, it has its own from a, an all-girls perspective and all-boys, but, I, you know, I think there's something in it from a just a societal perspective to keep them together as long as you can. Yeah, and there's great examples of that. Lisa Healy's a good example. I think she was the first to play in the New South Wales sort of private schoolboy league, which is quite a quite a big deal. Um, yep. And she's gone on to have a, a pretty decent career, and I'm sure um, you'd appreciate uh, her role in the team, opening the batting, thumping it to all parts, yep. and also keeping wicket pretty well. Uh, you, you played over 100 one-day internationals for New Zealand. You're still, I think, third all-time, most dismissals by a keeper and. What might surprise a lot of New Zealand? Forty-four stumpings, crikey! How, how many, you know, how many, how many drinks did you have to buy the spinners over the years? <laughs> well, most of them weren't spinners, actually. Um, I really enjoy keeping up the medium paces, and exactly, it was Grant. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we call Grant medium pace. I, bet I should probably stay in his good books a bit. Um, Slow, but, yeah, medium. No, I think that's it. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, that was a big part of what I liked to do as a keeper is to be up to the stumps, um, and and from a putting pressure on the batter perspective, but also kind of in a in a way that you rally the team around. So I had a few of them off off medium paces as well, but but you know I was lucky enough to keep some pretty good spinners over my time. Catherine Campbell, who's still I think she's she's quite high up on the ODI uh, wicket taking record, considering her last game was in 2000. That's pretty phenomenal. And you know I had Amy yeah, Mason, um, yeah, uh, Anna Corbin. Um, Claire Nicholson, a lot of lot of good spinners. So, so yeah, I mean, the stats are funny. You don't think about them at the time, and then when you you're watching a game and it flashes up, and you're like, ah, oh, okay, <laughs> must have been all right. Oh yeah, fair to say. You played for New Zealand for a decade, of course, but you you played uh, football over a, a longer period, but a stranger time period, right? What I remember. <laughs> what, and I think Grant wants to talk about yeah, this Yeah, I wanted to ask you something, Bex, after doing a bit of research into your life. So you did a Tom Brady. You made a comeback 16 years <laughs> after your uh, your um, role against, um, was it Bulgaria? Um, since yeah. your debut. So you, you ended your career, and then 16 years later, you made a comeback uh, for the 2012 Cyprus Cup. So yeah. tell, tell me what was going through your, your mind at that stage. Yeah, well, first of all, Tom Brady, I think, was 39 days. So <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say. God's not and very good at that. 500 grand for my, the last football I kicked. Let me tell you that. But, um, <laughs> no, I was saying more uh, around right. about, you know, you're <laughs> no, in you the were, latter stages you were, of your uh, life. You just counted like <laughs> Sean Pollock. You can't count. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. I, I was 36 when I went back to play football, so that that is absolutely the latter stages of my life. And never thought I would. I thought I'd when I um, when I finished playing football back in the late 90s, it was because I had, you know, I'd, I'd established myself in the White Ferns. Um, I'd started. I joined the police and was working full time. So, 
had really wanted to put some um, energy into that. And cricket was way more yeah. organised um, and and better administered than football at the time. We'd, we'd joined in. This yes. is kind of weird when I say it now, but we just joined with the men. You know, and that, that had come together, and we had a guaranteed at least a Rose Bowl against Australia every year, if not another tour. So, so it was a bit of a no-brainer from that respect. And also with cricket, I didn't have to pay for anything. So that was still something that you, you had a bit of in football, is that you might have to chip in 500 bucks to go on a tour, and then you know you have to give your gear back and that kind of thing. So just two, the two sports became very different, and less you know football was just less viable. But I had always kept in touch with some of my friends from the football team, and, and over the years they were trying to entice me back because they, they were of the view that they needed a bit more depth in the goalkeeping ranks, but I, I had just completely ruled it out. So um, I it was watching the 2011 Women's FIFA World Cup in Germany when I kind of thought to myself, ah, so the goalkeepers aren't, you know, first of all, they're not very tall, um, which is a problem because crossbars are eight foot high. Um, and second, you know, despite all the improvements for the outfielders, I didn't think the goalkeeping had come on that much. Um, and then my partner said to me, well, why don't you shut up and get hold of them and go and see what happens? You know, you've got nothing to lose. There's an Olympics coming up. Um, you know, what's the worst that can happen? They might say, sorry, yeah, it really wasn't realistic. Or, you know, you, you might be in, in with a shot. So, so I got hold of uh, Maya Jackman, who's one of my friends who's in the football fans at the time, and said, what do you think? I'd be up for it. And she's, first of all, she's like, are you kidding? I've been asking you to do this for years. I said, yeah, I know. I've, um, yeah, I'm just kind of exploring options and, and yeah, um, joined them for a, a six week trial, which lasted six years. I see Gigi Buffon has re signed with Palmer in the Serie B at age 44, Rebecca. <laughs> there is now a professional footballing side in New Zealand, a w- professional women's side. Um, uh, are you willing to break the news you're coming out of retirement today? <laughs> Hell no. No, no, no. Buffon is one of my favourite <laughs> players. Favourite players. He's and, and you can yeah. be a goalkeeper for longer. Obviously, I probably made the most of that, but um, you absolutely can because by the time you're sort of at that age, you're probably mentally better anyway for that kind of position. But also, the, the thousand hours you do quite repetitive technical skills training you know, you're actually, you're actually really skillful by, by the time you hit 40. But um, no, Lily Elfield, who's the keeper uh, for the A-League, the Phoenix A-League W, uh, she is an exceptional goalkeeper. I train with her and, and she's lovely and she's doing a great goal, job as their captain as well. So um, no, they, they'll be fine. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Too. Hey, Rebecca, I mean, you know, you must have to pinch yourself when you look back at your uh, your journey in sport and think, you know, as a young aspiring goalkeeper who wants to be a wicket keeper, dual international, you achieve both, but then you find yourself at Lincoln in 2000 beating Australia, but being the person to take the final catch as New Zealand won by four runs uh, and to raise the the trophy in front of 3,000, crowd of 3,000 at Lincoln. I mean. Tell us about that game and the feelings and the stories around that that World Cup final that you won. Yeah, I mean, first of all, you're right. I feel like I've got more than my fair share of childhood dreams and, and you know, the things that you, you fall asleep thinking about. You know, I've had a really lucky career, both cricket and football, and that, that day was certainly, it's, it's hard to beat, and I don't think I have beaten it since. But um, it was one of those, I mean, you'll know, Grant, from World Cup tournaments. Tournaments are funny things, aren't they? You can kind of... Feel you're not really sure going in, and then you have it like we lost the first game against Australia, so we kind of had to pick yeah, ourselves up after that and and keep going. And and there were it was a very distinct kind of two groups of teams in that tournament, not like the one we're looking at at the moment, where 
you know, it could be anyone. But it was definitely New Zealand, Australia and India were, were top. And then England and South Africa were sort of fighting it out the next and after that the teams weren't as strong. So it was one of those kind of leading into the day uh, when you would be playing Australia. It was sort of, it was kind of a mix of, well, we play those guys all the time and they usually get the better of us. So what do we need to do today to be different? But also a little bit of, well, yeah, but everything's back to zero. It doesn't matter what's happened before now. You know, all it's going to take is a good performance. <laughs> and then we batted first. One is often better than we didn't have a good performance. We got 184, didn't bat out all our overs. Um, it was a pretty horrible feeling walking back into the the dugout at that time because we, you know, yeah, yeah. on okay. the face of it didn't have enough. And, uh, yeah, so... Well, commentators would have been tearing strips out of you. You would have been tearing strips out of yourself (laughs) if you were commentating yourself. Uh, They haven't played out their full allotment, um, but 184 something to bowl at. Granted, Belinda Clark nearly got them, you know, half of them by herself. So it's kind of amazing when you think about it that they have someone opening, getting 90-odd, chasing a modest total, and yet somehow you found a way to win. Yeah, exactly. And and it's usually it's Aussie who finds a way to win. You know, they always had us in the mongrel sort of category and they were very very belligerent and she was a particular thorn on our side but uh we we did i mean it was one of those weird games you're right emily drum tour strips off us she, you know you didn't have to worry about what the commentators were saying the captain was having a good go at half time um so you know and, and then we sort of let all that go and we just said well shit they're on the board um now they're ours they're our runs so we just have to yeah like you say find a way and and a couple of pieces of brilliance from Helen Watson in the field really made the difference. She got rid of Karen Rolton, who yeah. was probably the best batter going Some around player. at the time. And yeah. I th- yeah, still player. think she's probably one of the best we've seen. Got rid of her run out, which is often the only way we got her out. And then uh, a bit <laughs> later on, um, <laughs> got rid of Therese McGregor, who was also starting to form a partnership. And you know, so Belinda Clark had to do the whole thing herself. So everyone around her hadn't really had a bat in the tournament. So the middle order... You know, were playing some of their bowlers as, as all-rounders and, 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 frankly, was probably a little bit optimistic. Um, but they just hadn't had a bat in the tournament. So they were sort of coming out to try and chase down, yes, this poultry total. But, you know, I don't know if you've seen any of the footage, but they looked completely frightened, um, which is quite a good feeling <laughs> when you're standing behind them. Um, but, yeah, like our, our bowlers, you know, it, Katrina Keenan and Rachel Puller, if you look at their averages now, they're sort of 16 and 17, which is... Pretty good. They're still Stupid. pretty high in the, you know, yeah, ridic- and they just gave them nothing. And then Catherine Campbell came on and bowled one of the best deliveries I've seen to get rid of Zoe Goss with an Ospin. I just turned it straight through the gate. And it was just like little thing like that after little thing. And just, yeah, they, we, we just kept stamping on their momentum. And um, weirdly comes down to the last over. And you're like, how did we get here? This is This is crazy. Oh, well, Bex, I mean, you, you're absolute inspiration to, I think, all women coming through the game now, and you're involved heavily in it with New Zealand cricket and the commentary um, and everything you've achieved, and I just love what's happening in the women's game, and I'm sure that you feel like you've played a huge part into where it is today. I mean, we've had a lot of calls, a lot of interest in the Women's World Cup, and it's just fantastic to see how much further that game can actually grow, uh, not in New Zealand, but globally. Um, and we thank you for your time today. Um, you've been unbelievable. But before we go, I just want to know what's next for Rebecca Rolls. We're holding you up in the commentary box. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, no, the commentary is fun, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah, obviously a little bit more of that. Um, big summer coming up for New Zealand next, uh, you know, 22, 23, hopefully, um, COVID permitting, and, and hopefully we're all out of that. But, I mean, yeah, I'm not sure. A bit of a 
just probably hopefully a bit of a normal year. I mean, you guys will be the same. The pandemic's completely turned everything upside down for the last two or three. So I'm looking forward to kind of like just a normal year with no lockdowns, no disruptions, being able to do things properly and, and with people in rooms and not stuck, you know, screens stuck on faces. But um, yeah, a, a little bit of a stop take and, and maybe play out the next year or so and, and see what happens. But you're right about the women's game. I'm so excited and yeah, I feel a part of it, and I'm also very proud of the generation before me, like the Debbie Hockleys and, and Trish McKelvey's, who who set it up for us, and and you know Sophie and her team will will continue to do that with this tournament and beyond. So, massively cool trajectory to to be watching. Well, Rebecca, appreciate your time. Go have a great Saturday afternoon. Thanks so much for dropping by. Thank you both. Thanks Been a lot, fun. Rebecca. See you soon. Rebecca Rolls joining us. Over 100 games uh, for the White Ferns, a world champion from 2000. Took the winning catch, as uh, Grant pointed out, against a, a mighty Australian side. Uh, the crowning moment of New Zealand women's cricket to history, for sure. Of course, was a fine goalkeeper, representing, I think, New Zealand as a teenager, firstly. Um, and after focusing solely on cricket for a long time, came out of retirement uh, to strap on the gloves again. Uh, a really fascinating story, um, and uh, great to see she's still involved in the game and contributing, and we do appreciate her time joining us on the Saturday session. Legends. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.